Chasing Leviathan is a podcast about pursuing truth, one big question at a time through the discipline of listening. Truth is too big to tame. But if we pay close attention, we might get the chance to glimpse something truly magnificent. So please join me in this pursuit one week at a time. Hello and welcome to Chasing Leviathan. I'm your host, PJ Weary, and I'm here today with Dr. David A. Banks, lecturer in geography and planning at the University of New York in Albany, and a proud delegate to the Troy Area Labor Council. And we're here today to talk about his book, The City Authentic. Uh, Dr. Banks, wonderful to have you on today. Thanks for having me. So uh, the initial question I ask uh, is always, why this book? You know, both its purpose, but also like, what was the journey that led you to uh, pursue this? That's a that's a that's a great question. It's what I, it's a question I, I make uh, my students always answer when they have to write a substantial paper. It's like, uh, why now, right? Why this? And the, the and the, the and the answer is, um, you know, I it was it, to a large degree the book is kind of personal in that uh, you know I moved from Florida. I grew up in South Florida. And then moved to um, upstate New York, where uh, where I, I currently live is in Troy. It's just north of Albany. And um, at first, I was just like so enamored by how old everything was. It was like <laughs> my, uh, you know, like if if you know if it, if it was if it had been built before World War II, it was like ancient to me. So I uh, I um uh, I, I that that just kind of caught me immediately. I, I think I was like really well positioned to fall for. Uh, the marketing uh, uh, that would then become very popular of the region, right? Which was that um, you could live out these uh, authentic urban lifestyles on the cheap, right? So you don't have to go work, live in New York City. You can have your your cute little farmer's market thing and, and go to brunch at, at, a, at a place that's like two nouns with a plus sign in the middle, you know, like uh, ba- <laughs> Baker... You know, like, uh, Baker and Grass, or something. You know, or, you know, uh, um, yeah. uh, Tinkerer and and Levi- and and uh, 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 bathtub or whatever. You know, like just like two <laughs> nouns just put together. And um, uh, I, and I was like, this is great. I love this. Um, and uh, and then it was when I was in a um, this is this is true a hardware store themed bar and restaurant uh, called just called the shop, right? Um, As it that, is, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and you know, you'd like like the 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 beer tap um, taps like the poles were like old uh, um, uh, tools, and like there there was um, like like the menu looked like an old uh, retro Sears catalog or something, you know, and and like kind of looking around here, I'm having a great time, spending way too much money on like poutine and an aviator cocktail, right? I'm I'm enjoying this immensely, and. But I then I realized like why like what what the hell is this right like why am I in a it's just, it could just be a bar it doesn't need to be themed after the last thing that was in this building which was a a hardware store right um and and that just kind of got the the wheel the wheels turning and then and then I would I would start seeing stuff on um on social media that was like propping this stuff up but then I also realized that everywhere 
while yelling that they are very unique and only from the only from here can you get this experience um everywhere was saying that and they all kind of looked about the same and they all seemed to share a similar aesthetic that um uh, that 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 they seem to be learning from each other on on instagram mostly and um and it turns out i was right uh that like you know there's this kind of like design this kind of like uh, a relationship among small business owners and, and economic development professionals in cities that um they they learn from each other obviously just like anyone anyone else of a sufficiently complicated uh, human task you know they learn from each other and uh um but it, but now that social media kind of orders that it um it organizes it you get like this incredibly specific kind of uh uh environment and tastes that uh and nouns you know like uh you know naming conventions that um that all kind of mimic each other but the, but then the, the ultimate irony is that they they all do that to claim that they're different yeah you have the naming conventions and the color palette right like there's like it's the instagram like uh oh man Sorry. I, yeah. So my day job is as a digital marketer. So <laughs> yeah, like this is, I got you. Unfortunate. Yeah. Unfortunately, I got, I got I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm right back. I'm right back in all the <laughs> yeah. meetings that I, I have. Um, yeah. So for uh, the tagline for the book is how the attention economy builds urban America for, uh, I think most people will be familiar with what urban America means, but uh, for those who aren't familiar, uh, when you say attention economy, can you describe what that is and how that fits into your discussion of social media? Yeah, sure. So, the, you know, um, uh, it's it's interesting. It's a really important concept, attention, that is uh, very under-theorized. There isn't a ton of information or, or like, you know, people who, who thought deeply and for a long time about the concept of paying attention to things. That I, I, it, and, um, and, what what is often the case is once um, a, a sufficient number of like the literati think that something is going away, then everyone pays attention to it, right? And so it's only now that we're afraid that we're losing it that everyone wants to talk about it. And um, and, and the term attention economy, which I, I've gotten some some people really hate this term. Um, and for I think pretty decent reasons, but you know when you when you're talking about the cover of the book, you know you you kind of just you have to pick words that um that that resonate with with people that that are interested in the same topic. And unfortunately, you know, better or worse, that that's what that's what works. And uh, and so attention economy is you know is about like both paying for your attention, literally an economy, right? People pay and and sell attention, but also uh, the the idea that a, attention is a finite resource that that itself acts like money and has to be meted out and uh exchanged in really uh um specific ways and of course you know like attention is always already talked about in econometric terms right we pay attention uh we give our attention right so like th these are all things that at the very base, you know, you don't have to get like too, uh, like too much in like linguistics theory, which I know nothing about, but you know, like I only taught like one intro to comms theory, uh, class, but you know, you don't need to get too far in the weeds there to start realizing that like, you know, we, we pick those, those words for a reason. It's because it kind of acts that way. Um, yeah, I, 
even as you're, you've been talking about this, I remember it's like, I think it's like 10 to 15 years ago, maybe eight years ago, but I want to say 10 to 15 years ago now that the value of consumer data passed the price, like the value of oil, right? And it was that moment when social media kind of took over. And that's kind of like, it's big business now, right? I mean, that's what you're talking about when it's talking about revitalizing uh, urban, urban America. Yeah, yeah. I, um, you know, there, there have been some people that say, you know, that like um, attention or data is the new oil, right? There, and there's some, some, some. One, I think there's probably like just one big asterisk on that metaphor, which is that, right? Like, oil definitely does come from the ground, and we could say is natural, right? You yeah. know, it's like a bunch of dead stuff that uh, under the ground. But, um, uh, but attention, attention, and data is a social phenomenon, right? Like, right. Uh, there's right, and so um, the, the creation of data or the um, phenomenon of attention is very human and social and and when you and you, it's always dangerous to kind of uh, assume that social things are natural and natural things are social right so like you you want to um uh, pay attention to where that metaphor breaks down and i think it breaks down pretty fairly quickly but um uh but yeah i think um it, it's it's also really clear that attention is big business and that different people's attention is bigger or smaller business, right? Like I, uh, I was yeah. floored. I was floored when I found out this was, I think 2013, maybe 2012. This was a while. It was, it was the very beginnings of this stuff that I found out that um, I was told that uh, uh, the, the uh, data of pregnant women is like four times more expensive than anyone else's because they're setting the, the purchasing patterns of entire households. Right. And they, you know, and, and like, you know, mom buying uh, one specific kind of cereal will set someone's uh, brand loyalty for the rest of their life. Right. And so it's a um, getting though that person's data is way, way, way more important than, um, you know, like, so like 95 year old guy that, you know, you can trick him into buying a, a, a gold coin or something, you know, <laughs> uh, or, you know, like that, that, uh, like that, that stuff is, isn't, uh, you know, like you give that a shot. That's fine. You know, like that's bargain basement attention, but like the real, uh, you know, real good stuff is like people that are just starting to, you know, form their life. Yeah. I, uh, I have five kids. So, um, Yes, I can tell you. <laughs> okay. like, it's amazing yeah. what it, like you tell kids that this is normal and they're just immediately like, yeah, and oh. it will be normal forever, right? Like it forever. takes so much yeah, work yeah. to shift your habits. Um, so that makes total sense to me. Uh, so as you talk about the, I, I love you have this term, upscale, upstate. Um, talk a little bit about this authenticity that everybody seems to have, or at least everyone is claiming to have. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, you know, it, it, you know, there, there's a couple things. Some of it is, I, I, I suspect, is generational. You know, you want to be careful with what you attribute to generation, uh, to generations. But you know, like some of it, you know, like the the millennials uh, that I'm a part of that you know grew up in the early aughts and late '90s. Uh, they, you know, they um, they grew up in the United States. A lot of them in suburbs, especially if they they had a middle income, come from middle income families. Um, and they rejected that, right? Like, um, the 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 rebellion of that generation was kind of a return to return to cities, and that can be attributable to everything from 
uh, you know, the, the uh, uh, television shows that were popular at the time, uh, you know, everyone wants to, you know, be friends, the friends, friends, um, friends of the friends, uh, you know, or, or, or it's, um, you know, uh, 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 style trends, uh, you know, what have you, or, or, or even, uh, you know, like more serious issues around like climate, right. And wanting to have a smaller carbon footprint, a lot of, uh, or, or just not enjoying driving, right. Because, uh, the, this is, that would also be kind of the first generation that never experienced driving quite as much as freedom as a, as a, a, a necessity, right. A chore. Yes. A chore. Yeah. And so it's, and so they, they kind of, you know, like it, with fresh eyes were like, Oh, actually driving sucks. Um, I wouldn't, uh, you know, like the, this actually sucks a bunch, you know? Um, and so, uh, you, you, uh, you, it, so I don't know for, for whatever reason, you know, cities became increasingly popular and, uh, um, but what, um, what actually city life is like, uh, uh, can be uh, told to you, right? You can have expectations set for you um, in a in a way that is uh, what um, uh, some tourism scholars call like socially constructed authenticity, right? This is um, like uh, you know how uh, I, if, with my students, I'll show them a an old timey like fifties sixties era um, postcard from Hawaii, right? And I'll say, where is this? And they'll say Hawaii, and I'll be like, "Who here has been to Hawaii?" And it's like, no one, you know, or very few people. And I'm like, okay, then how the hell did you know that? You've never been there. Like, how'd you fi- how'd you find that out? Right? Again, you know, get play a little a little dumb, right? But you know, but uh, clearly, but you know, the, and you know, they give me the obvious answer, right? Um, that you know, you've you've seen it in media, and it's like, yeah, you know, like think of all the places that you've never been, but that you have a preconceived notion of, right? Like that's all filtered through through media mostly but maybe also like what your friend told you now think of how how new that is right and um and and, and that's uh and, and that and that's a huge deal right? <laughs> and uh, and when and when we can think of not specific places like hawaii or detroit or um or or uh, atlanta or or argentina or whatever right you know you, uh, if you just think of categories of places like city you know, you, you, what what starts accreting around that category it are are little signifiers, right? Uh, that can be anything from you know the coffee shop on a busy sidewalk to um, you know the Edison light bulbs that are hanging in the window, uh, uh, different forms of public transit that get kind of rendered into aesthetic rather than uh, actual uh, infrastructure. Um, bike culture um, that far exceeds, um, you know, kind of, I, I think some of the more practical elements of what bikes are good for. I don't know. Uh, like now, now I'm going to get in trouble with a lot of urban, I, I work in a <laughs> geography and planning department and I'm not going to, I'm not going to get uh, too uh, um, in trouble about biking. Right. Um, <laughs> just, all, all that I'll say is that, you know, uh, bikes are like salmon. Or, or beavers in the Hudson River, if you recreate their natural environment, they will naturally, they will, they will come back, right? Uh, but it, uh, if you don't do that, only the people that are like, uh, by, either by means or by ideology constricted into riding bicycles will ride the bicycles in, uh, in mm. anywhere else that isn't comfortable in order to do so. Okay, but okay, so I covered my ass on that. But you know, like everything else <laughs> is just like, 
you know, um, you know, it's, it's kind of just like you, you we're kind of expected to have different kinds of city semiotics. Right. And, uh, and those are opportunities for small business, everything from small business owners to the, the um, administrators and elected officials in cities themselves to say, oh, OK, well, if we want these hip young urban professionals with lots of disposable income to spend it in our direction, we have to kind of show the show, you know, let them know, give them the signals, you know, the, the imagery of urbanism, and then they'll, they'll come, they'll come over here. Right. And so that's why um, uh, I actually open up the book with a, um, uh, uh, a description of an, of an Instagram ad that I got, from the uh, Fulton County, New York, it's up in upstate New York. It, it, I don't think there's a population center above 50,000 people there. Um, you know, so it's very, very rural. But they, they the, the, the ad that they give is like talking about, you know, the, how old their brick is and their and the wood floors, but also plenty of parking. Right. And, and, uh, and I'm just like kind of walking through like, what, what is this? Who cares how old your brick is? And who's the audience for this, right? Yeah. And the audience, it, the audience is is like people who need maybe not class A, but class B real estate, right? You know, um, a, a small business that doesn't have a ton of public facing stuff, but you want to keep your uh, office uh, um, drones happy and, and and have it look cool, right? To make you kind of feel like you're 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 at Facebook or something, right? But you're not. And so uh, you're you're in uh, Johnsonville, uh, New York, in Fulton County, right? And 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 so they're like, you can get that experience, uh, um, uh, 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 for the cheap, and there's parking, so you actually get both. Uh, you you get the suburban uh, experience of of free, limitless, unlimited parking, and also, um, you know, the the urban stuff, and it, and it kind of works, you know, it, it that, or at least it works. Um, and we can get into more empirical stuff in, if you want, but you know, like what it, what it works really well for is increasing property values. Surprise, right? It's, it's really good for making things um, more expensive. Um, it doesn't um, actually it doesn't really attract that many people. I have found, or if it attracts a lot of people, if it if it attracts a lot of people, the way that you've done it because it also raises property values, it pushes out or displaces about an equal number of people. And so right. the, the net increase in population is negligible. Yeah, I mean, by definition, like, I mean, and I think I thought like you're talking about gentrification, right? Like, I mean, this yeah. is yeah. this is the uh, this is a new mechanism you're identifying in terms of uh, social media being used to create gentr gentrification through the attention economy. Is that yeah. a fair way to talk about it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, and um, uh, gentrification. You know, talking to my to my students about gentrification is interesting because they, you know, like when people who who are only you know like maybe twenty five and younger have have um, lived their almost their entire conscious life post economic collapse, right? Right. And po post the two thousand eight financial crisis is what I meant, and um, uh, and so they not only do they have like no, like, like buying a house is so far off the radar for them. That it's just like, that's just never going to happen. Um, but they also, uh, you know, um, have, I don't know. They, 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 uh, uh, place is a genre in a lot of respects. And, um, 
in different kinds of places are like Spotify music genres, but, but they're also, um, when I talk about gentrification, they say, well, there's also some good stuff with gentrification. Like, um, like the, like the crime goes down and the, and the, there's street trees and stuff. I was like, that's not gentrification. That's making the, the place better. Right. (laughs) Um, gentrification is when people get pushed out, uh, and it gets too expensive. And they're like, yeah, and that that happens when it gets nicer. You know, it's just like you know, it's this um, from the very you know, and and it's it's really disturbing. But it's but they're they're speaking a truth there, right? That um, uh, because we is I think um, Harvey Malich described it this way. You know, we all live lives on a real estate investment, right? We're all living on financial investments, physically, you know, like literally physically living on top of uh, financial in- instruments. Uh, called land and um and when we uh uh uh, and so when we improve that land and we make it better to live on um you know by definition the poor people don't get to live there anymore right it's only when you socialize that sort of thing or you uh you know you get the george georgian model of of land taxing that you can rearrange that but otherwise yeah it's the same thing improving a neighborhood is the same thing as gentrifying which is um uh uh you know which is uh, you know sad to hear but is um in a lot of cases in most places very true so i i want to describe uh, a little bit of what happened one i i grew up in new england moved mm-hmm. to central florida and then i just went back <laughs> recently on a trip and i was like yeah. oh man the age of these buildings is so cool. And so as you're talking, yeah. I was like, you know, coming from Florida where everything is like, um, it's, uh, it's older than World War II because that's when the AC was invented, right? It's like yes. post-World yes. War II. And so nobody lived in Florida because it was too hot. But yeah. Um, uh, uh, sh- shout out Black History Month. Uh, um, guy invented the air, condi- air conditioner. Um, yes. You know, Flo- Florida, one of the Florida greats. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, it, yeah, yeah, it definitely like it. makes it uh, definitely makes it um, livable here. Um, yeah. So uh, as I uh, w- my wife and I work from home, we run our own company and uh, we were already working from home. But then with COVID, um, we ended up moving uh, out from Orlando because it was cheaper. And so we see this yep. um, what they called Zoom towns, right? Where uh, we were part, I remember going to uh, with my children to the playground and uh, there were some locals there who were complaining about the wave of people coming from Orlando and raising the property prices. And I remember yeah. saying, I, I'm really sorry. I'm one of those people, right? Like they were like, oh, Did who I are you? Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, uh, it, how does that play into, is that, is that exactly what you're describing or is that kind of adjacent this idea of working from home and, uh, but because we don't have to be right next to things now we can, yeah. we can buy, is it, uh, was it Johnsonville? You know, we can buy property right, a little right. further out with the unlimited parking. Is that a zoom town yeah. phenomenon? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it absolutely. It, it, it is. We were going in that direction already. And the, the that whole, region like new york city and all points north has this kind of ebb and flow culture nature to it where um you know it it disgorges um you know several like fairly well-off people every once in a while and they populate 
the areas around it, right? Like, like otherwise, there wouldn't be all of these cutesy old buildings to buy in the first place, right? Is if there wasn't this original or at least er- much earlier um, uh, uh, move out from from the city. So, like, yeah, th- this is not the first time it's happened, and it was probably going to happen already at- anyway, as um, prices did their thing and 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 made it. Uh, difficult to afford to live in big cities, but the the pandemic did clearly accelerate that timeline um, uh, a lot. And in 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 my book, I I, had, I uh, saw several instances of people um, of like re- uh, real estate agents talking about um, how how fast properties would go, like. Um, I, I I I don't I don't think I'm going to find the the, the quote in in a time that would uh, make it worth uh, uh, grabbing as I spoke. But you know the what's what's nuts is that you know like you get people saying like you know calling up a real estate agent and be like, is that property still available? And they're like, yes. And they're like, does it have high speed internet? And they'll be like, yes. And they're like, twenty k over asking. Like yeah. just you know it's done. And they and they and they they buy it. Uh, and, uh, and like they none of them had ever seen this before. And that. And then you know the, the and the prices don't really go down after that for a long time, you know. And uh, you know we, we saw wild, wild incre- move uh, increases in in population that were fairly temporary, uh, but um, but it, but it was it was a massive move of people. Um, I have um, Rensselaer County, which is a county on the east side of the Hudson River from Albany. Um, had a 787 percent increase in address changes from New York City from that time the previous year. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, uh, 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 Saratoga County uh, had 518 percent increase, uh, and uh, Albany was 126 percent. Schenectady 152 percent. Right, and so this is this constellation of of cities that. And, and like the towns around them are about a million people if you count all of them together, all right. And and you just had this like three digit percentage increase, yeah. In 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 moves is like astronomical. And and but what what um, pencils out eventually? I'm just kind of looking at the table in my book here. You know, is um, stuff like you know uh, amount of people with a doctorate degree went up um 27 percent right uh less than uh high school went down 14 percent uh um finance and insurance and real estate and rental and leasing um uh uh, professions went up or what sorry went down 17.5 percent which is fascinating right is like they're they're a lot of them are probably cashing out (laughs) uh okay i was wondering where Um, that was going Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 Yeah, or um, uh, uh, and, and uh, yeah, and so and so, what you what you end up with? Oh, and, but um, uh, art, entertainment, recreation, accommodation, food services went up nineteen percent uh, between two thousand nine and twenty nineteen. So this is actually sorry, I meant to say that's that's that pre pandemic. It's leading up to the pandemic, right? Ah, okay, is, is this this move where um, you're getting a lot more service sector people? Right, twenty five percent increase over that decade of of service sector folks, um, but you're also seeing a high increase in uh, people with high education degrees, 
And that right. doesn't mean you just have like MFA students that are also baristas. Like there is that, but that's not all, that's not all that's happening. What's also happening, although, you know, right, you do get stuff like that from the financial collapse, right? Because we're looking at 2009. Oh but my you're gosh, also yeah. getting, <laughs> but you're, but you're also getting what, what um, uh, Richard Florida called the, the creative class uh, economy where you get a, a handful of people in education, medicine, law, like these professional degrees, uh, uh, they're the creative class, and they're supposed to trickle down all of their genius and money to the ser- working class service sector folks. Um, that that never really pans out. And he wrote like a the whole book in 2017 saying, oops, sorry, that was wrong. But like, you know, the, 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 the point of the matter, right, is that like this was st- starting and then it really took off over over COVID to the point that, uh, you know, today, um, you know, we we had um, prices, rents went up. I think you know, like uh, I think it was like two hundred percent on average, like a, a total. Like they went up significantly, um, but the the actual population like went up slower than the statewide average in in our region. So like. We didn't. So the the population grew a little bit, but it grew actually slower than the statewide average. And despite that, all of the prices for rentals went up, uh, way, right. way, way beyond you know that. Um, that. So you know what, what that tells you. One thing that that tells you is that you know the the price of housing isn't a supply demand curve. It's not a simple supply demand curve, right? Um, it, there's something much different happening and, I th- and the thesis of my book is that at least in part it's this um uh the, this uh, uh premium that you can s- charge for this kind of downtown lifestyle is at least part of it the downtown lifestyle with unlimited parking let's yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> um okay i just forgive me just for clarification because i know yeah. that the uh i think it was like you know the 15 or 19 percent for doctorate and for service was over a 10 year period or but what was the uh the 787% and the 518% increase what 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 time period was that over was that 10 years or was that was that pandemic oh yeah no, oh, that, that was the pandemic that's crazy yeah that was just the pandemic <laughs> yeah on top of yeah on, okay on, so that wasn't of, in the know, 10 that, years that, that was like 2 years yeah. so that was like yeah Boom. Okay. Yeah. All right. Just that, make it sure. That was like okay. the fir- that was like the first year. That w- it was. Oh my gosh. It, it was it was really wild because well because anyone that could afford to get out of the right. New York City did yeah right? and they sense. just kind of went close by so that they could maybe commute in when right. their boss forced them to right right most of uh, 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 Hudson New York was the one that grew uh, the or got the most. Uh, new residents, I think of any city in the country, um, uh, Hud- little Hudson, New York, uh, got that. And, uh, and that was probably best. Um, uh, the avatar of that was Alison Roman, the, um, uh, like Insta, she, she was in Condé Nat, uh, like, uh, Bon Appetit for a while. Oh, okay. uh, she's a, like a, a food, uh, uh, critic personality thing. Her name's Allison Roman. She has a big uh, Instagram oh, influence. I have se- yeah. I've watched a couple. I, I do a lot of cooking, so I have seen her yeah. cooking. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. Yeah, she's great. Um, and she um, she got into an online feud with Chrissy Teigen. This is very important. Right. And so her Allison Roman and Chrissy Teigen get into this fight. 
And um, and Allison Roman is on the losing end of like the the um, popular uh, opinion on on this. I I, I think it, it might have been, I think, I think it might have uh, she might have um, been just just a teensy bit racist in in, in some of the things that she said, um, uh, or at least that's what everyone said. Not actionable, uh, but. Um, and uh, uh, and 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 the uh, and, and so to flee both that and COVID, um, she moved to this area in Hudson, and then all of these um, glossy magazines would have like you know after the 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 the, 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 the Chrissy Teigen uh, dust up like what is she doing now? And the no matter what you asked her, one of the, her first responses was that I'm like crashing on a couch with a friend in Hudson, New York. That was, she would always say that in like one of the first answers to, to any question. And, and you find out, and so I did a little bit more digging and there's another thing that, that says that she, um, she had invested like almost silently or very quietly into three different area restaurants. And so she's correctly recognizing as a good businesswoman that like her um, investments in specific restaurants are not going to do well if you advertise the restaurant. You have to uh, uh, sell people on the on the area, on the whole area. And as that goes up, there's going to be these uh, uh, um, network effects, these this this clustering that happens. Right. Right. That that will that will kind of like raise most ships. Most people, when they go out for dinner, they're not planning three days ahead of time. They're looking for something within 15 minutes. So if you have a lot of people in the Hudson area, they're going to go for Hudson restaurants. Is there a particular, why not just say I'm living in the Hudson? Why say I'm crashing on a couch in the Hudson? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a a good question. Um, You know, yeah, I think part of it is to give it a bohemian mystique, if I had to guess. Um, I'm just like you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, I'm just like you. But also, you know, part of the sell of um, smaller cities, right, is that like you can't with a straight face most of the time say like we are the equivalent of New York City, right? Hudson, New York, Um, New York City, but smaller, right? You know, like you can't can't quite say that, right? But what you can say is like the metaphor that I always like to use is, um, you know, New York City is – this name brand Neiman Marcus off the rack thing. Um, But you savvy consumer of geography in place, you're smart. You're not going to pay full price. You're going to go to a thrift store and find that nice, unique vintage gem on the rack. And, um, and and that's Hudson. And so to crash on the couch in Hudson is to stumble across, you know, a, 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 some sort of vintage, um, a, a article of clothing or something, and you're just like trying it on, you know, you're just trying it out. Uh, because you also like don't want to seem like you're having too much, you're jumping into too much of a fad, but also real estate is so expensive that, you know, you, you do want to be cautious with, um, you know, how, how you advertise it. Uh, so, you, you know, you, you kind of soft pedal into it. Well, okay. And I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. This entire interview feels targeted at me. I'm not. <laughs> I, I, we live in one of the top yeah. three cutest towns in Florida. Yeah. Um, and so even as you, I've, I mean, I've just, been there. Yeah. I, I, I think I know which one you're talking about. I've Mount Dora. It's, it's adorable. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yes. No. Um, 
and so uh, as I look at like uh, there is the the cell of like oh it's it's like Orlando but you know you're you're more, you're savvier but there's also that like one of a kind mystique and I think that plays yeah. into what you're talking about with like the authentic thing it's like yeah but you don't get that small town charm in New York that you get with a, a truly authentic you know do you know how old our bricks are I, I just can't I can't get away from that early. Um, yeah. Yeah. What, is, what is this thing that we're selling? And you, you do you you bring this out in a chapter in your book. What is this thing that you're selling when you're selling authenticity? Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so this is where, like, maybe maybe this is why I'm on a, a philosophy podcast, right? Is that um, you know what you're what ultimately what you're selling is your is like yourself, right? You're selling a version of yourself back to the the customer. Uh, because ultimately what these places kind of do is they, they offer um, a, a, an exis- what's, what's called an existential authenticity, right? So I talked about social, uh, socially constructed authenticity before, which is the, you know, the, the uh, Hawaii on a postcard thing, right? And that's just, in, in, in order to feel authentic, you just have to meet expectations, right? You set expectations and then you meet them, right? Uh, you go to, uh, New York City, have a slice of pizza and go to the M&M store in, in, in Times Square. And you're like, check, you know, you did it. That's New York City, authentic New York City experience. Right. Um, but then you uh, uh, and then there's also like um, what's called like objective authenticity, which is kind of like what an art historian does to a painting. Right. It, 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 you 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 um, you you find out whether or not what something purports to be is what it says. Right. Uh, uh, this Rembrandt is was painted by Rembrandt himself. For you know, uh, we find out uh, uh, all the reasons why that's the case. Um, but existential authenticity is um, is is a, a way to kind of show someone or have them have an experience. It's often about experience where they feel like they are enacting their authentic self. And you're giving them the opportunity to do that, uh, and so they're they're when they when when you right and uh, and me too. I, I I should say like in in my own book, I'm like you know this is me too. Like I like I mean, I bought a house here, right? Like I <laughs> I fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. I actually have a guy. I'm like interviewing a colleague of mine who like I, I should I have like all of these academic reasons of like why he's wrong, but like ultimately I just say like. Nope, you got me. He's like, it's he's like, at some level, this is all very true that like all of this stuff catches me, right? And mm. people like me. I, I was on um, I mean, well, I'll finish. Uh, so like the existential authenticity is ultimately like you know, well, you know, I I, I always saw myself as um, you know, this uh, uh um, a uh, 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 very urban uh, um. A, a person walking around got my baguette in a bag and I'm, I, I, I go to all the different little shoppies and, and I go, and then I, I you know, consume some uh, fine art or something. Right. You know, like you, you have all these dreams for yourself and expectations that you create. Um, and then life gets in the way, right. You know, like all this other stuff happens that you don't immediately uh, resonate with, or you somehow create some psychological distance away from, uh, away from it, but then when when you feel a moment of authenticity, what um, 
several theorists argue, and I do as well, is that you know, like what what you're you're not quite think you you put it on the object when really it's the subject, right? The object feels authentic. The brick wall, the the um, uh, hand pulled um, uh, espresso shot, whatever, right? All that stuff you think is the authentic thing, but in reality, it's, it's the experience of you and the object. It's the object sub subject relationship, really, that is the actual authentic thing. And that's why, and that's why we'll pay so much for it is because um, it, it, it is, it feels like it can't be done anywhere else, even though it can. Right. But in a other way, it can't because the thing that you're actually enjoying is the subject object relationship. And that can only happen in that specific place at that specific time, actually, right? Um, now, there could be another parallel universe where you had this experience in Huntsville, Alabama, instead of Troy, New York. Uh, and I've been to both of these places, and they have the exact same coffee shop in them, right? They all look, look <laughs> the freaking same, right? But like, if, if life brought me to Huntsville, Alabama instead, I could have that 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 same coffee shop experience and think ah only in Huntsville Alabama right you know which which feels nice because it also means I've made a bunch of correct choices mm. through my entire life right and like I am satisfied and uh and, and increasingly when you know uh expectations get frustrated in a downwardly mobile uh civilization frankly right as a um you know th those those little moments become very valuable and people will pay for them with you know like whatever scratch they have left yeah, uh, that that validation uh, would it, and I just you know I'm trying to make sure I'm tracking with you here. Would another way to be put this like you have these stories about these destinations? You know, even as you're talking about Hawaii, like Hawaii, you know, or New York, you're like slice of cheese pizza, dirty water hot dog. Um, Hawaii got to get a, a a Bloody Mary or a, some drink and a pineapple on the beach, right? Like there's like certain things you have to have. Um, and if uh, the, basically what people on the other side of it for economic reasons do is they create uh, destinations that match the stories and we pay for that because we want to be the characters in those stories. Is that almost? Yeah. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. I, th I, th I think that's 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 really good, which which also doves, dovetails nicely into like, I don't know, there have been some think pieces in the recent years about like main character syndrome. <laughs> right, uh, yeah, right, like right. the center. You're right, and like centering yourself as like you know everything else is happening for you or something. Like you're the you're the only agent around. You know, like I I think I you know I think part of it is that too. But that's probably too cynical for the. Um, <laughs> I I think it's a little too cynical for even for me. You know, um, because ultimately, uh, you know, because I I I I, I situate myself in the book because as like someone who you know quote unquote fell for it you know mostly because like i don't want anyone to feel like i'm judging them for participating in this system everyone does you know and uh, you know i cut myself off earlier but you know like i, I was on um uh um uh this machine kills this uh, other other podcast uh, um about technology and society and uh um the one of the co-hosts jathan who i've known for a long time uh he uh He's like, yeah, you know, I fall for this because I just, I love food from a place. And you know, this happened to me today, actually, because I fall for this too. There was a, um, uh, I was at the beer store and I was, I was you know, looking at all the fancy little beers 
And I buy a four pack of tall boys, right? He's like, that's like the new form factor for an expensive, nice beer is you only get four of them, but they're a little bit more. Yeah, right. And, right. and, um, yeah. And I get this porter. and I'm looking at this Porter and it says, um, Tahitian vanilla in it. I'm like, Tahitian. It was like, <laughs> oh, they know this specific kind of vanilla that right. it tastes like. You right. know, it's like, you know, it's not, it's not Haitian vanilla or Mexican, you know, it's not all these other, because when you, when you say it's one, it's not the others. Yes. Right. And what, and that simple, uh, you know, distinction, uh, means that like we're playing on a different ball game now, right? On a different level. You know, like now we're, we want, uh, this is so specific that I have to know what I'm doing, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, and I, you know, you, you say at the end, uh, kind of what then should be done. Can you, uh, I, I want to be conscious of your time here and respectful of it. The, uh, what, um, what is, you know, there's the fun aspect of this. I don't think anyone's really denying that, but what is problematic about this and what would the solution to that problem be? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a materialist, right? Um, while we're talking about a lot of stuff that is uh, literally existential, you know, we've talked about existential uh, feelings there, subject object relationships, but ultimately I am a materialist, right? And one thing is that like all of these things work because of the particular moment in history that we're in where, you know, like a lot of people are downwardly mobile. They have a lot of frustrated expectations, right? Uh, it, it's not a coincidence that the city authentic kind of rises up post uh, um, uh, great recession, because it's a way to kind of affordably experience these things that prior generations uh, could uh, could afford in 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 mass in, right. in most ways. And and of course we we have to say you know like mostly white people got to do this right. right. You know uh, cities cities were redlined. Uh, uh, black uh, and and brown people are uh, um, historically disallowed from having um, building generational wealth. Right and. Uh, but no, no, very, even fewer people get to do that. And um, and so what you get instead are, you know, uh, experiences of it, right? And um, everything from credit card points to, um, uh, uh, you know, these uh, curated boxes of subscriptions of different kinds of stuff that you can, you can buy, right? All of these things are meant to give you the experiences of luxury in little fits and starts because that's the best you're going to get for now, right? And um, uh, and, and and that's because of a of, of a particular uh, uh, economic condition of the moment. And I, I I do draw a connection between this sort of like frou uh, frou um, uh, hipsterish hipster kind of um, uh, retro vintage love of all things vintage or whatever. Right? I I can I I, I do say that that's not too much far off from like the make America great again stuff in, in a few key ways, right? Like one, it, it, um, it romanticizes the past, right? But it's not really saying like, you know, you know but of course they have, very, they come, they do very different ends. They have very different ends. They're, they're not, um, you know, like one isn't like direct blood and soil stuff, but it is like, it, it is like this looking for the past for answers to future questions. And they're not, and and none of them are really great answers. And and what you end up with in, instead is this um, 
uh, demand of like, I don't know, like all in all caps return spelled, spelled with a V, you know, that um, isn't, isn't super great. Uh, I, and, uh, and, and often have leans, uh, uh, gets people thinking in these very um, uh, 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 reactive ways. And it also gives a, what you could call a home field advantage to reactionary politics because we found there, there's been good research that fi- in political science that shows um, right wing politicians are able to leverage ideas of authenticity better than left wing ones. Interesting. Uh, and so when we when we're all primed to desire authenticity in both people and places, what we're often primed for is 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 looking into the past and more conservative thought. Because progressive thought or, or socialist or communist thought has these different horizons of like what could be. And when you're thinking in, in, the, in the past of what was and how much that was better, you know, th- those are opposites. Right. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and we and we I think in the last couple of years have realized that, you know, culture and politics the, the 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 veil is getting extremely thin. So, you know, they they, they kind of mesh and, and get us into weird directions. That's really fascinating. Uh, as we uh, as we end the interview um, and the average person sees these Instagram or what, what you know. I even hate saying X, but you know, maybe Facebook ads, you know, yeah. like what is X? Anyway, don't get me yeah, started. Yeah, the, the, um, the, so, yeah. the social media formerly known as Twitter. No, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, as they see these ads, as they go out and um, they enjoy uh, their beer poured from uh, tool, uh, you know, uh, levers. Uh, yeah, kind poles, of, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, what would you encourage uh, our audience to think about over the next week and to just kind of um, what would be your big takeaway for them as they as they encounter sure. this in the in uh, everyday life? Yeah, uh, um, you know, what one uh, review of my book did, um, uh, I really thought it would take longer, but um, someone realized that my book was, could be read as a self-help book. Um <laughs> And, and I knew, and as I was writing it, I, I, I thought a little bit about that, that, that was kind of what I was doing. Uh, and I, I guess it, it was more uh, text than subtext maybe because, you know, at, at my, the last chapter of my book, I, I, I do go through some, like you, you quoted it, right? Like what, what should we do? Right. What should be done? What has to be done? And, um, you know, I, well, one is like, be, be good to yourself. Like, don't like, there's nothing really gets better with like diving deep into your mind and like, what does this beer really mean? And like, am I, you know, like is our coffee shops fascist, you know, like, don't do that. Like, don't do that. <laughs> um, uh, you know, or like I, I, I have a friend who like, or like um, Troy again, where I live was uh, um, a bunch of small business owners were trying to do a, um, a, uh, a festival that uh, they explicitly said they were kind of modeling off of South by Southwest. I was like, this is a terrible, this is terrible. I don't want this. Um, I don't want this for very specific reasons around like, you know, I would like to be able to live in my city and not have like Elon Musk show up and like give a talk about how like his new robot that will uh, be your girlfriend or whatever. Like, I don't want that. Right. I, (laughs) um, and, and because like, that's the inevitable, like, trajectory 
of those sorts of things. And um, but it, it, he's like, well, so you don't like bands? You don't like bands playing in bars? And I'm like, no, I love that. I but you can just do that. You don't need to like create like a citywide four day festival that you pack a bunch of bands into and you try to get everyone from outside to come in like that. We've seen where that, that goes and it makes cities unlivable. Um, so it's really like at that level of stuff, like it, where you just like, it, which ultimately I, I think that the one takeaway is like places should be where you live your life not an experience that you pay for. And what that often means is that like, let bars be bars, let them be the third place. If it's a, if it's a funny theme, have a great time. And if it's the theme is the old hardware store that used to be there, I, God bless, have a great time. But like the, the, but like that one that can't be the, 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 substructure of your economy that you just shouldn't you shouldn't do that and it shouldn't um come at the expense of building up an economy that's that that gives lots of people good predictable jobs that they can have for maybe most of their life i don't know that seemed kind of sweet to me um you know and, and that's why like maybe some people think my 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 final chapter is like a hard left turn but like the, the final chapter is like co-ops uh union density it's about all these different things that actually make places more stable economically and socially and more livable and the one like real tangible connection there is that you know one thing we didn't talk about uh that kind of is a big theme in the book is um these things that I, I call the, the community control mechanisms that go throughout different cities where it's like, you know, it's your business improvement district. It's uh, all these different industrial, what are called industrial development authorities. This is kind of like hidden, not, you know, like mischievously hidden, but like just so uninteresting that no one cares about them. Right. Kinds of um, nonprofity kind of industry groups that are, tasked with planning our capitalist economy right our our economy is planned it's just planned differently than the cartoon version of the soviet union that we all imagine right it's not north korea but it is planned it's very much planned and um and the people doing the planning uh get appointed by other people that you've never heard of right and um and so getting actually more involved at a local level not just in like running for city council though have fun doing that if you want but also, like finding out who are these people that work that work and 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 or in most cases volunteer their time to these meetings that you could probably legally go to as an audience member, right? And find out how is all this coming together because what what you'll find is that at least in New York State, right, um, we have these things called regional economic development councils, and there's like eleven of them across the state, and they they rate all these different proposals from private and public sector organizations for uh, grants and lo low interest loans, right? And, and bonds and all this other fun stuff. It's free money. Uh, and uh, you know, it's like the Lester guy, you know, with the, the question marks all over his uh, jacket. It's free money. You know, like that, that stuff. Um, and, uh, uh, and you go, it's, you can, um, uh, uh, you can find out who these people are. And often enough, their day job will be like CEO of your local hospital. Usually it's usually like some really big employer or, or the university's provost or something like that. Right. Um, that, so their day job is that, 
but then like in the evening or like on a Friday at 4 p.m., they go to a meeting that sets like the um, employment targets for your county where they try to figure out like, oh, well, here's our competitive advantage. This is what the workforce looks like regionally. This is how much housing we have. And now we're going to go ask our state senator to have a meeting with someone from Boeing to see if they'll put a brake pad plant for 737s in in our district, right? And they're going to give them a ton of tax breaks. They're and and they're and and at the same time, they're also going to make sure that uh, um, you know that maybe they'll, they'll shift the local community college to more of this manufacturing stuff so that they have a workforce that can then work at the factory, right? This happens all across the country and, and most people ignore it because it's boring, right? But if, but, but, what would you, but what you notice, what, what actually turns out is that like the people whose day job it is to cut costs and usually what are the largest employers in the region are then also tasked with creating jobs in a lar- usually a larger jurisdiction. And so what you end up with are these people that like one are, you know, sometimes caught between a rock and a hard place where they have to cut costs on their day job and then increase costs, their labor costs, supposedly at their, you know, in their free time. But it also means that like, they're going to balance that equation in ways that better benefit them, right? And and the people that can annoy them the most, right? Uh, Because they're also going to like, if if someone's annoying them with like protests or emails or whatever, right. They're going to like, I just, I need them to kind of get a compromise, go away. Right. And it's, and, but no one's focused on these sort these targets before as like a means of getting what normal people want. And so the one way out is to, you know, spend less time hand wringing about whether or not your Friday night is authentic or not. And or whether caring about it being authentic is bad or good, don't do that. Have, just go have fun when you want to have fun. But also start paying attention to all of the ways that your locality, like your all the all the jurisdictions that govern your life, how do they do that? And where how does the money go to different places? And how can you control it with your friends the best you can? You know, what I love about that uh, response is that we are heading into this uh, election cycle and we're going to get a lot of pressure for a a lot of things that we feel like we have very little control of. And to be quite fair, we don't have a lot of control of. Still go out and vote, right? Be responsible. But instead, we would have far more influence over our own lives and far more, uh, we'd be far more of a force for, for good if we paid just a little more attention to the boring things, like you said. You know, PJ, this is the most important election of our life. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that, that oh my gosh. Uh, on that, <laughs> <laughs> well, on that cynical note, no. Um, yeah. uh, Dr. Bakes, wonderful to have you on today. Thank you. Uh, fascinating topic. Really appreciated it. 